So are you a David or are you just a square block of stone? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome into the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that's meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Yeah, it's 48 minutes, just based on the brand, our 48 days to the work you love. We do a lot of things where 48 shows up. Golly, the other day we were at the zoo, and we walked past the flamingo display probably a hundred flamingos out there and they're all banded, which means they have on their leg a band with a number. And I just joked with one of my granddaughters. I said, Hey, I'll give you a dollar. If you find one with 48 on there, took her about five seconds. She says, Papa, there it is. Sure enough. I mean, it wasn't five feet from us. Flamingo standing there with one leg hiked up in the air, and it had a band on a 48. Well, anyway, lots of fun with that. Well, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Health IQ. You can claim a month-long unrestricted free trial of Fresh Books. No credit card or anything required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, and then there are 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I'll also be telling you about Health IQ. Now, this is an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, Marathoners, vegetarians, vegans, all those people running around here helps get lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com slash 48 days to see if you qualify. Well, lots of great questions today. I'll be coming back to that opening comment, the question I ask you here a little bit as well with our quotation for today. But here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. I need an investor, Dan, and my idea talk about that. Is it possible to think you hated your job, but then learn to love it with new management in place? Do you think there's a market for good news? Is it realistic to expect to monetize my podcast? Now here's our quotation for today comes from Michelangelo. Remember the opening question I said, are you a David or just a square block of stone? Well, Michelangelo said, when asked about doing some of his most beautiful work, he said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. And he said that essentially about doing David, the magnificent statue that he did. He said, you know, he, David was there all along. He just had to carve away what wasn't David. Well, I'm going to unpack that a little bit in terms of having a dream already in you. You know, when we look at that now, before I do, let's talk about health IQ. I want you to know there is a company that rewards you for taking care of yourself. I mean, they know that people who take care of themselves, runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, vegetarians, marathoners. I mean, I, when I think of, I always think about people, actual people's names come to mind when I mention these, because I know people who do all of these things. And I've been turning them on to Health IQ. You can go there, save up to 33% of your 
life insurance premiums because they know physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, 58% lower risk of diabetes, goes on and on and on. Hey, if you've contacted them, let me know. I love these testimonials that I'm getting in from you all listening, who in fact have checked out Health IQ and found that yes, indeed, it lowers your life insurance premiums. You can do that. So check it out. Lots of good stuff there. Good people you can talk to. So just go to healthiq.com slash 48 days to see if you in fact qualify. Also, let me tell you about FreshBooks. I mean, we're right on top of tax season here. I hope that you got through that. I hope that you get a nice big refund or discover that you had some deductions you didn't know that you had. I mean, there's a lot of creative things you can do if you understand basic accounting principles. You can do that with FreshBooks. Now, one of the things I do as an example, just a quick example, is I pay myself rent for the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary is on my property. I own the property free and clear, but I pay myself $4,000 a month rent to use the sanctuary for my business. Now, it's very legal. All it does, though, it moves some of my income around. So there's $50,000 a year that um, rather than just showing it as straight income where I pay Social Security and all that, no, it shows as rent. Now, it shows back up in my income again, but I save a big chunk of money because of the way that we structure that. That's one of the things that you ought to be able to do that you ought to, if you understand those small business principles, then you can move money around, do things that are legal, but save yourself enormously in taxes. Well, check out FreshBooks. Right now they're offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to 48 Days listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days. Enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, I want to share some good news here. Always got lots of good news. Got some really fun stories today. Last week, Joanna and I talked about some of the tough choices that people make and some of the choices they make that are self-defeating. You know, hopefully you listen to that segment. I had Joanna on as my guest and we went through some of the really challenging questions from people who are discouraged right now. I hope that was an inspiration for you. Well, we got lots of feedback. I appreciate your feedback on that. Uh, Dean Showalter was just one. He said, I wanted to say a big thanks for all your encouragement, inspiration in your last podcast. I've been listening for a long time today. I listened to your latest episode with Joanne. This is so good. I took you guys running with me. Hey, there's a there's a guy right there. Dean would qualify to talk to the people at Health IQ. He says, I love your podcast. Look forward to listening every week. But Joanne added an extra special touch to this one. Thanks again. Well done to both of you. Well, thank you. Thanks again to all of you who sent notes in or made comments um, about on our website or on iTunes about that episode. Um, there's certainly reason for people to be discouraged. But then there's also so many reasons to be encouraged. And we want to, no matter what, how dire the circumstances, how tough the situation, I want to be somebody who offers hope and encouragement, not in a false Pollyanna kind of way, but in real way, these steps are things that will help you walk right out of that situation. I mentioned, I think last week, again, that we had 
we've gone to see The Greatest Showman a couple times. You know, just a great movie. But one of the other quotations from P.T. Barnum is, A man's station is limited only by his imagination. Love that. You can change your station. Well, let's talk about some good news. Got one of my own. Golly, a few days ago, we had um, just gotten back from some travel and I uh, stopped and needed to make some stops. And so I stopped at the post office, mailed some things, and then I went on to Home Depot and picked up a couple things. And then I was at, um, actually, I went to Publix next. I was going to pick up some flowers. So I was picking up some flowers, got up to check out. I was talking to a guy behind me that I know really well. We were talking anyway. I just reached in my pocket for my wallet to pay and no wallet. I thought, whoa, that's strange. No wallet. That's not common for me. I thought, well, I must have left it laying in my desk. You know, sometimes I pull it out if I'm doing some transactions here in front of my computer. So I just um, went on. I went on from there. I actually went to Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm sitting there eating my lunch. And all, and I, all of a sudden I thought, now, wait a minute. I went to two stops before that. I went to Home Depot. I went to I went to the post office. I had a receipt in my pocket for those places, meaning I had used a company credit card to send packages at the post office. I had to have my wallet with me. And I began to retrace my steps in my mind. And I thought, did I leave it lay somewhere? So I went back to the post office. Now it had been an hour. Now we're told that the post office here in Franklin, Tennessee is the busiest post office in the state of Tennessee. Now, I've heard some people say that it's the busiest in the nation. I don't know. I can't make that claim, but it's very busy. So in an hour's time, there had obviously been hundreds of people in and out of the lobby. I had used the self-service postage machine in the lobby. So I went in, found one of the gals who I know there that works at the post office. And I said, I was here an hour ago. And I said, I really suspect that I might have left my wallet lay on the postage machine. I said, either that or I dropped it in the slot along with some packages that I mailed because I had them in my hand. I said, I don't really know, but I said, I can't put the pieces together, but could you at least check just to see if somebody turned in a wallet or if it was in fact in the packages? She said, sure. She said, I'll first check the packages because they're going through those quickly. She said, I'll see if it showed up there. Well, she was gone for about a minute. She came back out. Uh, she said, uh, here's your wallet. And handed me my wallet. Now, we had just been traveling, so I had some extra cards in there and things. And, of course, all my identification and all that. Now, uh, I told her, I said, thank goodness that we live in Franklin, Tennessee. And I told her, I said, that was fully my expectation. That if I left it lay, somebody would simply turn it in or get in touch with me. And somebody turned it in, left it there. No problem at all. That was my expectation. I didn't immediately think, oh my gosh, I left my wallet. You know, I'm going to have to cancel all my credit cards. I'm going to have to go and get a new license, new social security card. No, I thought, this is Franklin, Tennessee. These are good people. You know, I love knowing that I live around good people. I mean, I hope you do too. I mean, I hope that no matter where you are, that you find and spend time with good people. But I consider that good news. Delighted to share that story with you. Now, here's a couple more. Here's a bus driver who's been braiding a little girl's hair every morning since the little girl's mother passed away. It's been two years since Isabella Pieri's mom passed away from a rare illness. 
but that doesn't mean she doesn't have a community to step in and carry on some of the more female tasks. Isabella's dad has been doing his best to fulfill the responsibilities of both the mother and father, but there's certain things he couldn't figure out, like how to do his little 11-year-old girl's hair. At one point, he says her hair got so tangled up, he just had to cut it short just to kind of clean it up. But when her hair grew back out, she came became accustomed to just wearing it in a no-fuss ponytail. Just every morning, they just pull it back and put it in a ponytail. But then she saw her school bus driver, Tracy Dean, braiding another little girl's hair. So Isabella got up the courage to ask the bus driver if she could braid her hair as well. And the bus driver has now been styling her hair pretty much every morning for the last two years. Now, here's the thing. The bus driver said seven years ago, she had breast cancer and she started thinking, you know, who's going to take care of my little, my little ones. If something's gone, if, if something happens to me now, she's still here and doing okay. She says, you know, I know my husband could get along, but it's something that moms do, especially when it comes to little girl's hair. So she's been doing this little girl's hair just happens to be somebody who rides her school bus is that a great story or what? I love people who see those kind of opportunities just to share a little encouragement and kindness and pass it on. Well, here's another one. Then we'll get into some questions for today. But instead of paying for advertising, there's a church in Texas that eliminated $10 million in medical debt for local families. Now, I'll tell you how they did that. They didn't actually come up with $10 million, but Here's how they did that. On Easter Sunday, one of the pastors at Covenant Church in Carrollton, Texas, announced that they had bought out and forgiven $100,000 worth of medical debt for local families. So what they did, they worked with an organization. It's called RIP Medical Debt. It's a nonprofit that buys up and abolishes medical debt. So what they do is they negotiate settlements on medical debt that people have and what that $100,000 did in real money translated to over $10 million of medical debt that has been lifted off the shoulders of struggling Texas families. 4,229 families and veterans got letters that their medical debt had been forgiven as a result of that donation. Now think about that. You know, churches spend a lot of money. Churches spend a lot of money on advertising to get people to come in. I mean, that's no secret. They are like any other business. They spend a lot of money doing that. And instead of doing that, they spent a hundred thousand dollars to have $10 million in medical debt forgiven, abolished, taken away. Now, what do you suppose the after effect of that is in terms of viral good publicity for the church? I mean, those 4,200 people, are going to be avid supporters and promoters of that church and spread the word about what that church did. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can have an untold effect. I mean, they could get uh, new families coming in who will next year contribute a quarter of a million dollars to the church as a result of using $100,000 in that altruistic way. Anyway, it, it makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels not to be manipulative about how to do it, but it just makes a whole lot of sense. And I think that's part of our good news. Well, thanks for sending me your good news stories. We'll continue to share those every week. You got a question coming up in a little bit. I'll save it in a little bit here if we can get to it about good news. Is there a market for good news? Yeah, there is. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how we can frame that. 
Now, I hear from a lot of people who know they're not living their dream life. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about Michelangelo's carving of David, the statue. It's 17 feet tall, and it's a very large piece. Weighs well, over six ton. It took him four days to move it after he finished carving it. Two other sculptors had started and given up on it before Michelangelo got the commission and kind of took over where they left off, but uh, then released the beautiful statue of David. And of course, he said, you know, I just, I knew David was in there. I just carved away what wasn't him to set him free. You know, that's the way it is with dreams. When, when I talk to people, rarely do I talk to somebody who doesn't have dreams even somebody who can't articulate what those dreams are, the dreams are already there. They're already inside of you. So my encouragement, just chip away the parts of your life that don't fit your dreams. Now, just this week, I talked to an IT engineer, an MBA level designer, a pharmacist, all of them in their late 30s, all of them had a similar story. Now, in this particular case, one was born in China, two were born in Vietnam. All three were raised with strong family expectations of coming to the United States and getting a degree in the hard sciences so that they have very tangible credentials to get a job and be paid well and not live in poverty as their parents did. All right, you get the picture. And in mid to late thirties, all three are saying, this is not my dream. This is somebody else's dream. Now with all three of those with whom I have the pleasure of working, we're able to identify what is unique about you. What are your strongest talents? What are your strongest passions? And we're very quickly putting together what their own individual dreams look like. And then it's simply a matter of chipping away the parts of their life that don't match the dream and move into that. Now, there's all kinds of dynamics in that. The potential disappointment of parents who are still living, who sacrificed a lot for them to become a pharmacist or a designer or an engineer. But success, we know, is its own greatest revenge. So when somebody moves from a very predictable, traditional kind of career into something that may be more non-traditional or creative, with that, success pretty well gets everybody on board as you move down the road. I've had the privilege of walking through this with people, hundreds of people over the years who were criticized initially by making a change. And what are you talking about? You're going to stop being an attorney? Are you crazy? People pay attorneys well. Well, they do, but people pay for other things as well. So if you can create a clear path of what you're moving to and move into that, other people will come along. So chip away the parts of your life that are not part of your dream. That's our big theme for today. I hope you hang on to that. hope that inspires you with things that you're doing even this week. Well, William says, I'm William. I'm a software and hardware developer. Dan, I'm really looking for assistance in finding a financial investment partner. I have 10 plus years in the digital arts as a whole. I have certifications and licenses with industry leading tech companies. The problem is that I have zero working capital 
to finish my projects as an independent. I've worked many jobs, but my skill set is so unique that no high company would hire me. Let me let me run that up the flagpole again. That's a really interesting sentence. William says, I've worked many jobs, but my skill set is so unique that no high company would hire me. And a minimum wage job is pointless from the point of the company using my skill set over a year's time. Add that to the fact that I'm in a rural area for a year now temporarily. It's been extremely challenging to say the least. So Dan, you know, can I talk to you? And so on and so forth. My resume and pitch documents are below. Thanks. He's looking for investors. Um, here's my feedback, William. Looking for investors is not time well spent. You're essentially looking for someone to pay you so you can prove your skills as a software developer. That's called a job. If you can't find an existing company that values those skills, how do you expect to find an independent investor to do so? I mean, what are they investing in? I mean, really what you're looking for is love money, not a true investment. I mean, there's a lot of people when they're starting a business idea, they attempt to do what you're asking here. They don't want the confines or the clear expectations of a job. So they try to get people to give them money so they can just live that life that they're trying to get to. Now that's true of a whole lot of people. That's true of a whole lot of people who feel that God has called them to some kind of ministry. I mean, they can't figure out how to generate income in any legitimate way. So they hope to find other people to fund their big idea. Now, just this week, I went to, went to lunch with a gentleman who's developed a better golf wedge. Now, this is one of those ideas. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be better than what is in existence now. I'm not a golfer, so I'm certainly not a judge of that, but he thinks it is. Here's what he's found. He's found that the really great golfers aren't looking for a better club. They use the clubs of the companies that pay the most sponsorship money. And so my friend is looking for investors to pay the big golfers to use his clubs. And not many people are interested in doing that. I mean, I, I, this, that part really resonates with me when Kevin, my oldest son, who's now host of the Zig Ziglar podcast, when he was younger, when he was in his late teens and then his twenties and thirties, he raced bicycles. Well, he would have sponsors that would give him, you know, the Greg Lamond frame. I mean, he'd get a $4,000 bike given to him if he would ride it because people who win races then have, you know, spectators and fans who say, oh my gosh, he was riding that kind of a frame. He was wearing those kind of gloves. He was, had these shoes on. He had this kind of jersey on. He had this helmet on. You know, he ate these protein bars. I mean, all those things are potential sponsor spots and golfers are just walking billboards. I mean, trust me, they don't have to figure out the absolute best club to use. If they're a great golfer, they can use a mediocre club and still win. As, as much as we experienced the same thing with my son's bicycle racing. It wasn't the equipment. If somebody was a really good, if they won consistently, you could put them on a $20 Schwinn and they'd still win. Well, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but it was back to our investing idea. When you just have an idea and you want people to give you money for that 
And that, that's not a real investment. I mean, there's a fine line between investing and gambling here. Uh, Joanna and I recently went to the reading of a new movie. Now, these are some friends of ours. They're very, very talented. She has an illustrious history as an actress. But uh, she and her husband had written a screenplay, and now they did a reading. So it's really well done. The music is just astounding and all that. So what they need now is 10 to $15 million to produce the movie. So they're looking for people to put in a minimum of $300,000 to be one of the investors. Now, to me, again, I love these people dearly, and I hope they're extremely successful. But that really is different than a traditional investment. If I purchase a piece of property in Williamson County, if I buy real estate, I have real estate, real property. I can look at the trends for the last 10 years and know how property is appreciated. I can look at development maps to know where new development is coming in. I can see where they're going to run new water and sewer lines. I mean, all of those things can help me make a very informed decision about that investment. That's not true with the things we're talking about here. If I put $300,000 into the production of a new movie, is it going to be a flop or is it going to be the next greatest showman? I don't know, but I don't know enough about that industry to even make an educated guess. But we know that a great majority of movies that are attempted do not make money. Now, if you have an invention, here's what I would recommend you do. And we'll move on from here. I love this question because it relates to so many things that so many of us are doing. But here's if you're a software developer, let's say that you have an invention. Instead of just hiding that, your little design, and going out and looking for money, now go ahead and make it. I mean, make a rough copy of it. Sell a thousand of them. Then you'll have a basis for getting investors. If you're a software developer, develop something that 1,500 people sign up for with a monthly fee. And if you're an author, don't get somebody to pay you to write your, write a book and sell 2,000 copies yourself. Then publishers will be eager to talk to you about your next one. If you're an artist, you're looking for investors, golly, show them pictures of the last 20 pieces you sold. That's the way you attract investment money. Not just with starting with nothing, but an idea and wanting people to give you money so you can hope to move towards something that's going to be meaningful. Nope. This is like, it's like standing in front of the wood stove of life saying, give me heat and then I'll start to put wood in. It just doesn't work that way. Well, Hey, just a quick breather here. We'll switch and we'll go on to another great question. Just a reminder, you're listening to Real Life Questions. Real listeners like you, like me, people, we're out here in the trenches doing things. Hey, I love seeing your questions come in. Just shoot them in to me at askdan at 48days.com. You can go to the website, click on the podcast link and leave an audio message as well. I got some of those in the queue. I'll try to get to those next week, perhaps. But the quickest way is just shoot me a little email. Again, at askdan at 48days.com. Work it into the sequence here. I'll give you some principles, some real life things you can do to move forward. Mandy says, is it possible to think you hated your job, dreaded going in every day, and then your company was bought out and you found new hope? Can management or lack of management make that much of a difference? You better believe it, Mandy. I mean, every 
company has what we call a corporate culture. Man, I'm working with a lady right now who holds a high level title with a company that is extremely male dominated, chauvinistic, demeaning, belittling of women. Now, yeah, it's a traditionally male industry just because it's a technology company, but there are plenty of companies in that same industry that don't have that kind of antiquated corporate culture. I mean, if new management comes in, I mean, look at the difference between Burger King and Chick-fil-A and how you're likely to be treated as a customer. I went into, it wasn't either of those that I mentioned, but I went into a, a fast food place a month or so ago. And, um, I was waiting for my order to come up and there was an elderly gentleman who came up to the counter who had ketchup on his hands and he said, uh, can I get a napkin please? And the young lady says, we don't have any. And she turned around and went back to her work and he stood there kind of looking confused. And yes, there were no napkins there in the lobby area. And I went up and I said, excuse me, miss. I said, is that really your best response for this customer? She says, we don't have any napkins. I said, how can you possibly not have any napkins? This is a restaurant. She said, well, we, the delivery didn't come in. We don't have any. And she kind of smirked as she told me. I said, now look. I said, I would guess that you have bounty towels with which you clean the tables out here. If not that, you have toilet paper. I said, there's a Kroger right across the street. Somebody can run over there with $2 and come back with all the napkins you can possibly use today. Is that your best solution? We don't have any napkins. And she just turned around. Well, I, I did come home and I um, went on the corporate website immediately and uh, relayed my experience. I got a personal phone call about 20 minutes later from them. They said that would be addressed immediately. But my point is there are different kind of corporate cultures in the same industry. Certainly, you know, what's likely to happen if that occurred in a Chick-fil-A. My gosh. I mean, we, I know, I know a lady who was telling this to my wife, Joanne, recently, she went to Publix and she was uh, in front of a particular section. And one of the people that work at Publix, you know, said, are you finding everything that you look for? She said, well, normally I get this. It was like a chocolate almond milk or something. I don't remember what it was, but something like that. And he said, oh my gosh. He said, yeah, we're out of that right now. He said, will you be shopping in here for a few minutes? She says, well, yeah, I've got to finish my list, but that's okay. You know, not a big deal. He said, okay. So he disappeared. I mean, about 15 minutes later, he came down the aisle, found her. He had gone to Kroger and purchased the item and brought it back to her. Now that's let you know they have a corporate culture where people have been trained to serve the customers well. Is that true in every grocery store? Goodness, no. So yeah, you can get new hope and learn to love your job if you get new management in. I mean, congratulations. Sounds like that was a great change. There may be some others of you who are listening who think you hate your job where really it's just a screwed up management. Yeah, is that common? You better believe it. It's common. Well, Let's move on here. John says, I've been a longtime follower. I'm so appreciative of the content you pull out. It's helped me both personally and professionally. Just wanted to reach out and say thanks. I just finished listening to one of your good news 
segments. I love that. I know that good news doesn't sell. But have you thought about the idea of good news TV for medical office waiting rooms? I'm thinking the idea of neutral programming that puts people in a better mood prior to a medical dental therapy and et cetera appointment would be popular. Well, I love your idea, John. And yeah, I think that we'll see that. I, th I think there is a market for good news. Now, one of the things that lets us know, I mean, there's so much publicity right now about fake news. You know, a lot of the bad news we hear about isn't really even true. I mean, people can create anything they want to. I mean, Facebook is kind of in the and the spotlight right now, because it's so easy just to put things up that really aren't true. And yet they spread virally. And all of a sudden people believe they are true. I mean, there's some problems with having just open access because not everybody is full of integrity and uh, optimism, but uh, I'm not sure how all that'll flesh out. We don't need to regulate how we spread news necessarily, but yeah, we're going to see a move toward people embracing good news. When I go to the airport, you know, it always blows my mind. You know, they have on eh, typically CNN or some other news show. You know, what, what are they going to show? Golly, if they can come up with a yesterday, Southwest had a rather bumpy landing with one of their airplanes. How would you like to be sitting at the airport? And that's what they're showing again and again and again is a plane that um, the landing gear didn't work right. You know, so it had a really bumpy landing. Is that what you want to see before you get on an airplane? No. And you're right. Sitting in a medical office or a dental office to see the horrific kind of news that's going on, that doesn't put you in a good mood to go in and then have some kind of procedure done. Well, there are changes being made. A couple months ago, I talked about this where we've got a brand new Lifetime Fitness, just, just golly, about two miles from my house, but it's real close here. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility when people come here. Um, for events, they they go there often early in the morning. They've got you know escalators and um, in, interior beauty salon and restaurant and all of that. Anyway, it's an amazing place. They eliminated all national cable network news stations from the TV screens at their 128 fitness centers in the United States and Canada. They removed CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CNBC and some others, they no longer show those on the TVs because they didn't think it matched their goal of people getting into a healthy way of life. I mean, that's their quote. It says, it's always our goal to meet the majority of members expressed request. We believe this change is consistent with the desires of overall membership, as well as our healthy way of life philosophy. I applaud that. I think that's awesome that they've done that. They're not going to show that garbage. So we're, we're seeing a move toward that. Now, because of that, then in response to your question, John, do I think there's a place for good news? Sure. I think that you could get subscriptions from medical and dental offices and health and fitness centers, people, places that are, um, that are focusing on good health and optimistic thinking for news channels that just had good news. Yeah. I, I think there's, market for that. Uh, we know that traditionally, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. We know all those old horrendous things about how they choose news to show. So they keep your eyeballs and the things that are salacious and negative to keep our eyeballs longer. So then they can slam us with the commercials that they want us to, to see. Well, that's how it goes, but things are in a constant changing flux 
and certainly we're going to see some move toward the better. All right, now here's a question. This comes from Joe. Joe says, I've been listening to your podcast for several years. I've always wanted to share a success story, and now I finally have one. I've been thinking about starting a podcast for about two years and finally just decided to do it. It launched a couple weeks ago. You know, incidentally, before I go on, I had opened here and I wanted to recommend this book. I have opened in front of me the book, Big Potential. It's Sean Aker's new book. He, his wife was a major news anchor. I won't even tell you which one, but she was watching a segment of her own news. And one morning, and she thought, my goodness, I hope, you know, that if we have small children, they don't watch that. That was a real wake up call to her. She changed. She's gotten into something totally different. You can check it out at Sean Aker's wife. You can follow that if you want to. But they did a study that revealed that individuals who watched just three minutes of negative news in the morning were 27% more likely to report their day as unhappy six to eight hours later. It was like taking a poison pill each morning that made all of your efforts, energies, and interactions throughout the day more toxic. Now get that. Three minutes of negative news in the morning, and those people were 27% more likely to report their day as unhappy six to eight hours later. Wow. Well, hey, that I, I'm talking about big potential, how transforming the pursuit of success raises our achievement, happiness, and well-being. Brand new book by Sean Aker. I just finished reading. love the book and certainly recommend you can check it out. Okay, now we go back to my question here, um, where uh, this is uh, Joe, who said uh, he just started a podcast, been thinking about it for two years, finally decided to just do it. It launched a few weeks ago. I've already gotten a, a lot of great feedback. The podcast is called Heroes Like You, and the goal is to hear from successful people, learn how they've overcome their challenges, and realize that we can achieve the same levels of success. My hope is that it'll be able to help those specifically suffering with suicidal thoughts. Hmm. All right. A list of guests including Lou Holtz, Dan Truman, Gail Haverson, to name just a few. I hope to one day be able to monetize it, but for now the success is just launching it. Thanks for all your encouragement. Now I want to take off on that. It was, it's a success story. Congratulations, Joe. I'll check out heroes like you. I'll put it in my podcast and lineup. And I use Stitcher for my podcast lineup, but I keep usually about 25 or 30 podcasts in there, rotate through those as I'm on the treadmill in the morning. That's my morning. Um, good, good news. I mean, those are podcasts. I listen to podcasts that are full of optimism and good news and encouragement about the, the new opportunities that are all around us, the things we can do to make our lives better. Speaking of podcasts, now let me, let me just unpack this a little bit. Last week, I spoke at an event for Jeff Brown. Jeff hosts Read to Lead podcast. Wonderful podcast where he interviews authors of books. Read to Lead. He has a mastermind for podcasters. It was their first event. And I went out, had the privilege of going out and spending some time with them last Saturday night. What I talked about was how to monetize your podcast. That was the topic. So I took a graph out there, a chart, and I showed them how I frame my podcast. Now, I expect my podcast to generate a whole lot of money. Not necessarily directly. 
And that's the real key. So many times when we start something that's creative, artistic, or whatever, it's part of our dream, we immediately look to, how can I monetize this? Well, there's some things that you don't get an immediate ROI. There are some things that don't scale. There are some things that you're never going to monetize. It doesn't frame itself like that. I mean, what's the ROI on having my granddaughters out here going down a zip line this afternoon? Well, that's a stupid question. It doesn't even relate to that. However, can a podcast be a foundational piece for you to grow parts of a business? Absolutely. Do, and here's the way that I laid it out for these podcasters. My podcast fuels the success I have in product sales, speaking engagements, coaching, live events, affiliate commission, membership sites that we have. I mean, you hear me mention those and, and people enjoy the podcast. I mean, they're coming to the 40days.com site. They're discovering other things that we do and they get involved in all kinds of things that we do. Podcast is the core marketing piece for that. But I'm not obsessed with how is this going to make money other than it's a way to build rapport and trust with people who then take action on anything that we offer. And you can certainly do the same. You really can. I mean, it's so easy to walk into. If you've got a podcast and it's providing hope, you've got stories about heroes like you and you're interviewing people like Lou Holtz. My gosh, you know, you'll, you'll be able in six months to have a really robust ebook about encouraging stories or principles used by high achievers who overcame challenges or things that can encourage somebody who's had suicidal thoughts. And all of a sudden you've got an ebook, a course, a seminar, a traditional book. You're getting invitations to come speak on the topic because you're knowledgeable about that. You're having people say, I'd like to experience, you know, what Lou Holtz did. Can you help me apply those principles to my life? And so you have coaching opportunities. I mean, it walks right into many, many things that will monetize for you very smoothly without being salesy at all. You just serve people well in that area of expertise you're developing, Joe, and money's going to show up in unexpected ways. Incidentally, this weekend, I'm going to an event called Podfecta. Podfecta, <laughs> interesting name that uh, the guys came up with, uh, David Hooper, guy here from in, in the music industry here in Nashville, one of the originators of that, Clark Buckner, who's very involved at the Entrepreneur Center here in Nashville. But there's this event called Podfecta. They limited it to a hundred podcasters, sold it out very quickly. So there'll be a hundred of us together there. Uh, you think some of them are hoping to make some money? Yeah, you better believe it. You think we'll talk some about that? Yeah, you better believe it. Looking forward to that. Going to be a great event. That one's sold out, but maybe they'll do it again. But uh, one of the things that I mention a lot, the idea of going to conferences, I continue to do that uh, just to rub shoulders with people who are on the same path as I. Now, out of the, um, I'm going to just wrap up with this. We're just about out of time, but I want to wrap up just sharing a few of the things that are happening in the Eagles community, 40 Days Eagles. Now you hear me mention that and, and there's new people coming in there every day and we're having a lot of fun in there. This week I had as my Monday mentor at Christine Odell in there. She's got a brand new book about finances. We talked about how to set up the finances of a small business, how to 
move money around just some of the ways that I already talked about earlier. I mean, I, I learned from people like Christine how to do that. You know, and we, we do that every Monday. We have somebody in there teaching us those kind of things. But here's some of the things that are happening in the 48 Days Eagles group. And if for whatever reason you're not yet a part of that, just check it out, 48dayseagles.com. We got all, I mean, there's so many things in there. There's so many things that they benefit in there. I would think it'd be a no-brainer if you're serious about improving your life in any way. So here's some of the things that are happening. Nicole Robinson. This is just this last week. Sheila Davis, who's on our team, she scans and just pulls together some of the good news happening in the group. And believe me, there's good news just exploding. Nicole Robinson sent her book manuscript to her editor, Gail Saseo, who is also in our coaching mastery program. She's finalizing her coaching materials, creating her website, getting ready to start coaching next month. Valerie Pugsley is now certified in Jim Cockrum and Brent Bartlett's proven audience formula. We congratulate her in that. Roger Whitney officially passed 1 million downloads for his podcast already. I mean, he's rocking it with his retirement financial podcast. He's the financial retirement guy. Nadine Volkoff kicked off her five-day no-snooze challenge. Teresa Lodi was just accepted into a podcast fellowship with one of Seth Godin's associates. I mean, she's all excited about that. Matt Woodrum and Terry Burgess are two guys who met in the 40 Days Euclid community. They just opened up their Proverbs 2918 Wellness Mastermind Group. Heather Deal Bonham just published her new book, Study Skills survival guide. And and the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, I love those stories of what people are doing in there. 40 Days Eagles. Golly, check it out. All right, let's just do kind of a wrap here. Our quotation for today was from Michelangelo, who said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. So here's your action step for the week. I want you to see your angel, and then I want you to carve away everything in your life that doesn't look like that angel. Isn't that a great visualization, a great metaphor? Your dream is your angel. Carve away the pieces of your life that don't look like that angel. Well, great stuff. Thanks for your questions. Shoot your questions in. As I mentioned, ask Dan at 48days.com. Love seeing those, reviewing those, working those into upcoming episodes here on the 48 Days Radio Show. Thanks for being part of this growing audience. Hey, leave us a, tu- uh, or a tune on iTunes, a, a review on iTunes. I haven't mentioned that until just recently. Now, we have hundreds, and I'm appreciative of that, but it's always nice to have those new ones. Let's people know that we're here growing this group of people who are in fact finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Nobody here settles for less than all of those things. You can do it too. Let us know how we can help you in your journey toward that very thing. It's gonna take all you've got.